Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dude, Where's My Co-Host? I made it back home, Stephen got lost looking for me, so in the meantime, I've assembled a star-studded team of guests to talk about some of the latest releases. With me right now, I've got a friend of the show, Ben, or Brazy Benjamin. How you doing today, Ben? I'm doing great. I'm very excited to talk about this movie today, um, and just the whole franchise that we're going to dig into in general, so very happy to be here. Yes, Ben's joining me to talk about Shin Kamen Rider, the latest in the series of, of Shin reboots of various different franchises from Japan. This one directed once again by Hideaki Anno, one of our favorite directors. We both saw this on, I think it only screened in America for one night only. So back this last Wednesday, we both saw it. And wow, what a time it was. Yeah, um, I the moment the movie started i was like oh i'm already completely on board with this um oh, it's so good <laughs> i i think most friends of this show or any of the podcasts that me or you have been a part of know that we're kind of big you know tokusatsu fans kaiju fans we love movies with men in rubber suits <laughs> absolutely uh, actually it, it doesn't even matter what kind of suit they're in i just love when men are in suits and they're beating each <laughs> other up and, you know, I feel like I don't want to speak for everyone, but at least in the U.S., I mean, Godzilla is kind of like what everyone knows, right? And you could throw King Kong in there, too, if you want. People know about Ultraman. Ultraman is still relatively popular here. I yeah, feel I like Common so. Rider, though, I feel like that's the one people are least familiar with. And I have to say, as someone that is not an expert on all things common rider i think i might like common rider the best i think <laughs> i think it's the most fun oh, interesting it's the most bizarre um i don't know just a man that looks like a grasshopper driving a <laughs> motorcycle what else do you want that's cinema <laughs> yeah we've actually got a, a question that's kind of related to this later so maybe we'll get back into like the uh the what's the the best of them but yeah, it's it's definitely the the least known of the of the franchises. So I was kind of surprised that this is because I don't think Shin Ultraman really got much of a release in the states. So I was I was surprised to see Shin Kamen Rider get like even though it's one night to get a wide release all across the country. Yeah, I mean, I I'm same as you. I I don't think Shin Ultraman got any any kind of big release. If anything, it probably got like a one day release too. Um, if it had a, a bigger release, it wasn't advertised that well, I guess. Um, and yeah, this one day we knew for sure we could see it. I did check show times again. I think there's maybe one more day like this coming week where they're showing it again. Um, but yeah, you don't hear too many people, at least in the States, talk about Kamen Rider. Um, I'm sure if you're like super into Japanese cinema and television, and you again you're into stuff like Godzilla and Ultraman you probably know what it is but then the question becomes well have you actually watched it and right. you know did a deep dive um and for us i mean this kind of obsession with Kamen Rider i mean before we even talk about Shin Kamen Rider i guess like Kamen Rider ZO right that was kind of like something that really got both of the both of us into this franchise um it at least got me super excited for shin kamen rider yeah i feel like a lot of like the 
a lot of the the kaiju stuff and tokusatsu stuff we've kind of been on this journey together we've watched a lot of this stuff together um and yeah we were watching a lot of of keita amamiya's movies earlier this year and eventually got to common writer zio and we're just absolutely blown away because it was so amazing yeah it's it's just badass um but i think i've i've probably watched more common rider than ultraman now but i think what i like about common rider is that it's very easy to shift between like really goofy just i don't want to say like childish but just goofy charming fun but also there is like you know there can be a heartfelt element there can be this kind of yeah brotherhood element um they can also be like more moody and brooding and serious and kind of like vibey like whatever direction you want to take common rider to me it just seems like it still always works it doesn't have to be put into this little box um and that's the beauty of it for me yeah i agree it seems like the most like malleable and i have i'm not super familiar with with ultraman either i think pretty much the only thing i've seen is is shin so i need to get into ultraman more but from what i've like gotten out of common rider so far it's like everything that i've seen is like there's never really any larger continuity everything kind of just exists on its own and it's kind of just like each one is do whatever you want and it can be as ridiculous or as serious as possible and it all kind of works mm-hmm. well and I believe that Shin Kamen Rider, it, it when it went into production, it was kind of meant to commemorate 50 years of, of the Kamen Rider series, franchise, its existence. Um, when you think about it, I mean, 50 years, holy crap, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I just feel like, I don't know, like you said, malleable is the right word. You can take this any direction, and I feel like, I'm not, I, I don't know, I haven't been disappointed Um I, I know that recently you had watched the short Common Rider G, which is yes. one that I had watched too, which uh, I had watched that because if, if anyone listening is familiar with like the V cinema scene of Japan or the direct-to-video scene um, or Takashi Miike movies, show Aikaiwa is in it, um, and he's just a legend. He's in Dead or Alive. He's in um, a bunch of Kiyoshi Kurosawa films too. He's just a great actor maybe a bit underappreciated on the mainstream stage. Um, but I watched Kamen Rider G because I saw he was in it, and he plays this hilariously goofy villain. Um, and it's short, but I was like, in, in this sense, again, like you could even see Kamen Rider working for kids. And we also watched that anime like short slash movie. Yeah, together. Kamen Rider SD, really um, good. And I think that's what's so cool is like, it's not to say Ultraman and Godzilla don't have those similar types of appeals, but... I don't know. I, I found it just easier to connect with Common Rider. Like, I really, really like the protagonist. I root for him. The fact that there's like multiple masked riders, Common Riders, different variants, yeah. that just makes it even more exciting. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like the, the freedom of it means that like there's never like any particular thing that you're tied to. You don't have to find, like, the specific protagonist. And like I said, like, there's no, like, continuity to it, so you really can just do whatever. They constantly throw out new common writers, and it's all just kind of fine. I did love watching G after watching um, Shin, because it's, like... I mean, they're all very, like, silly in their own way, but, like, Shin Common Rider or Zio or J are all, like, 
pretty serious and just kind of like bonkers and then i watch g and it's like the common writer in that is a sommelier whose weapon is a giant corkscrew <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah we can just do whatever why not it's so great and i think i mean now that we've kind of talked about like common writer j common writers yo common writer g all these different common writers like tying it back to shin common writer i think what ano accomplished like is nothing to scoff at i mean again there's so many different ways you could take this series and i think what he tried to do is capture just like the total essence or spirit of it and that is that there's this free form kind of aspect to it there's a lot of crossover there's a lot yeah. of goofy stuff a lot of fun stuff there's brutal stuff um and he kind of seamlessly combined all of these genre elements and like action elements um and again i think he kind of made the perfect common writer as like maybe an introduction for people but also just like it could appeal to any common writer fan like you want the goofy fun you're gonna get some goofy fun you want to see some heads get squashed you can see Absolutely. some heads get squashed. you just want to see a guy on a motorcycle you can see like you can see <laughs> right you want to see um and it did not feel like two hours at all. It it to me it went by so fast. I was just oh yeah, like, it, it flies by. Yeah, I think there's like kind of an American idea of like because we're so used to all of these like cinematic universes now. I think there's like an expectation that like when this stuff comes out, you're like, well, what do I need to like see to prepare? What do I need to know? What's this universe like? How do I how do I what do I need to watch beforehand? It's like you don't need to prepare at all. This is its own thing and i think he's he's well aware like there's there's lore in there that i think you can benefit from from knowing a little bit more in advance but it's got all of the the typical anno like exposition in between all of the action where it's it's it sets it up all on its own without you needing to know anything really in advance right and i i think i i like that you bring up kind of like the exposition dumps because i feel like that is a point that could lose people but for me, I think that the common Rider lore is basic enough where you can understand it. You know, it doesn't matter that it's subtitled. It doesn't matter. Like, nothing's getting lost in translation. There's an evil yeah. organization. A man has been pretty much turned into this, like, augmented half-cyborg. And he's right. trying to defeat this organization. It's that straightforward. But th within that exposition dump, like, you're getting a lot of cool lore. Like, you are learning more about the suit. What powers these people? why are these kind of cyborgs uh you know evil why is this one good you get all that and to me like i think all that stuff is neat maybe i'm just a nerd but like i'm like oh this is cool when i'm getting that exposition dump i'm not like oh i'm wasting time i need a motorcycle to fly across the screen right now like i'm still yeah. loving that world that we're kind of transported to yeah for sure i think like it, it's never like even though it's a lot of just kind of nonsense like it never feels like gibberish like everything that they're telling you is pretty directly relevant to what's happening mm -hmm. so i don't know i never it never gets to the point where i'm like tuning out or like tired of the exposition plus in when you get shinya tsukamoto delivering it you're like wow okay i'll just i'll accept whatever you want to tell me yeah and i think that's another thing that's awesome about this film is that i mean ano if you look at Anno like in a bigger picture way, I mean, obviously, you think Neon Genesis, that's huge. It's that's like pop culture. That's right. literally pop culture. But he has worked with so many different like 
other independent directors like you can find him in a movie like death kappa you can find him in the taste of tea or funky forest um yeah funky forest and he's not afraid himself to kind of like go off and do his own things like love and pop and ritual are very ano movies but they're not like the first things you think of when you think of him um and so as someone that was more familiar just with japanese cinema as compared to television or even this franchise common rider i think that like there's stuff to to gain from watching shin common rider just for the actors involved like um our our main actor that's playing common rider uh he was in the film killing with shinya sukamoto so when i see them at the beginning of the movie kind of like having an interaction right. that already makes me happy i'm like i can already like form this connection um and then the guy that plays the the spider og, which is like the first og we like really get to kind of see, uh, that's now Amori, who was from Ichi the Killer. So also we're oh, that's right. Sukamoto, but like he's a legend of Japanese cult cinema. So when you see right. him playing this badass spider og, like to me that's already enough to satisfy me. Um, which is great because like when you have that context and you know that like it's this little boost of like oh i know that's him but you never see his face or anything like you have to know that but i think ano knows that like the right people are gonna know this and appreciate this yeah and and when you think like this is a movie that literally starts with people just getting their heads like curb stomped like it's graphic (laughs) opening scene is incredible and so yeah like for me again it's like you know i I think of a movie like each the killer i'm like that movie he's slicing people with a blade in his shoe it's like i don't know you can draw these parallels just between the actors that are involved um and that makes it so much fun too so again there's there's so many different reasons to watch this movie like i i think that the whole cast and crew is just stacked i said it in my review like i thought the score was great um they did a lot of just like random things but i was like this is awesome this is fun it's experimental um again like every single actor you can find in tons of big japanese films and then ano does what ano does and he frames things you know immaculately the action is fun and i i think we like we could take this into a bigger conversation talking about our blockbusters too and like people always complain about bland backdrops and cgi and i mean shin kamen rider has a lot of cgi and it, it it doesn't look great but it looks how you would want it to for the movie like it, it's fun yeah it's kinetic it's it's still conveying um i don't know excitement and action to you um i don't know like nothing i, I thought it was a perfect mix on his part of practical cgi and then just good actors you know carrying the exposition when needed yeah i think so too it's interesting i've seen some reviews like kind of complaining about how like this is missing a lot of like what they perceive to be like the ano touch of like the the kind of more deep existential elements that he puts in a lot of his other films but i'm like i don't really think that's necessarily what i would consider to be like ano as a director as a whole like yes he's done that a lot but I consider more that like he started working on stuff like Nausicaa and like these old movies where he was just like, I want to make big monsters and make them look cool. <laughs> and like, yeah. yeah. And, and I he think what has that Ultraman project too, right? He had like a very yeah. early Ultraman one. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's like more important is that 
I think he just has such a great understanding of the the material that he's working with. Like he clearly just really loves Common Rider, and yeah, you look at Shin Godzilla and it's a very different tone, and it's it's more of a throwback to the original fifty four Godzilla where it's very harrowing and dark. But he doesn't need to take that approach with everything because that's not quite what Common Rider is. He's going back to this these these goofy seventies things that feel like they were shot in a backyard, and I think he very intentionally shoots it like that. Mm-hmm. and it's like that's what's great because he knows exactly what he's working with and he's he's bringing that tone forward but it's also like you still get heads exploding and blood everywhere <laughs> like you're not missing out on the the updates with his style yeah i mean again as someone that's not a common rider expert but each of us at this point we've kind of watched a common rider project from each decade since its inception so since yeah the, the different 70s. eras and yeah, I mean, there, there's like Zio and Jay, for example, maybe a little bit more serious or, you know, affecting in those regards. But like each one, again, I feel like the film kind of captures the essence of each era. And there is this charming, like fun. It, at the end of the day, it's it's a masked rider, a masked right. hero. And when you get these superhero stories like I, again, I don't want to speak for everyone, especially someone that doesn't watch a ton of superhero movies from the States, but, like, you can only get so deep with it. And so if if you look at Anno as, like, this existentialist, like, I don't think Kamen Rider would benefit from bringing that into No, it. not at all. Um, you know, this is about, like, you know, forming friendships, forming important relationships, standing up for what's right, all stuff that sounds very basic but the beauty of the movie and why we loved it so much is that like he does those things the best anyone can. My first thought when I watched that was I wish every, you know, blockbuster or superhero movie we had was just like this because I'd be so right. much more yeah. into it. Yeah, there's there's so much of that. Like you're right, it's not like they're they're pretty basic like ideas that are scattered throughout, but they're I think the basic ideas that have kind of been in common rider since the beginning and that's what he's trying to to bring forward is this stuff and i think a lot of the the base for this and, and i don't have much context for like the actual show itself but um just watching some of the the films and the the shorts this weekend and this past week like the most similar that i they, that i encountered was common rider versus shocker where it's the same two characters um, main characters mm-hmm. um so yeah it's like he's bringing these different things forward from all of these different eras but also he's he's adding his own touch to it you've got like the that very trademark anno like forehead wide angle shot like every 10 minutes <laughs> which i just loved seeing every time me too well and like for me i think what's super exciting about this movie and we talked about it like how we both already want to rewatch it i think if you are someone that is super familiar with common rider that there are so many like homages and just like dedications and i don't know maybe easter eggs kind of thrown throughout like for me just there were certain moments that i could tell like they were fan servicey and i'm like i'm probably not even deep enough into this to call myself a diehard fan but it's still working like for me i'm like oh my gosh these characters like uh, i mean listen yeah there's like the whole so much love in it it's just amazing that's all i could say like uh, (laughs) it really is it's so great yeah it's Oh, it's such a journey. Like I, I was even—I don't know if you stayed through the the whole credits, but I, sure I was did. about 
yeah i was about to leave and then i everyone was still sitting there and i was like maybe there's something at the end so i stayed and at the very end you've got all the this whole credit sequence where it goes back to a bunch of the 70s stuff that like he's clearly like this is the stuff that i pulled for this movie and it just made me appreciate it even more i'm like oh he just really really loves this and and wanted to make this movie so badly yeah i mean like here's the thing is you know we before this movie we had only seen like a few of the the villains for example and shin kamen rider is just like what if we gave you like every badass character we possibly could like in a row which already yeah it's like a whole season of television (laughs) yeah and and so we're getting i mean we got what the the spider augment from now amori we got the wasp one the scorpion one uh, a chameleon slash mantis. The, a, the a chameleon bat. mantis was amazing. Like, <laughs> and, and I'm like, some of them are badass. Some are hilarious. Some are just completely unhinged. But like, that's the beauty. It never got boring. But then once we kind of got through all of that, and then you have that main, I guess, kind of villain, which is Ichiro or the butterfly og. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, badass. So badass. Um, so badass. But, like, I don't know. Our, our our protagonist here, he killed so many of these Augs. The government helped with a few, too. And you're just like, what can this movie do next? And they're like, what if we kind of just, like, had another common Rider? Like, you literally get Masked Rider, yeah. too. And I'm like, are you serious? So then, <laughs> it's like, so then I it was... was so happy. I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> I know it totally it totally t- caught me off guard because like watching it and I'm like there's this whole like rogues gallery of all of these different augs that he kind of cuts down and then like that kind of whole arc like kind of wraps up and I'm like there's like a whole other hour in this movie <laughs> like what is there left now and then it's just like what if we had another common rider and there's no like real passing of the torch in the moment there's just two of them side by side and you're like all right let's do it why not yeah I mean it's like what's better than one masked dude on a motorcycle than than two masked dudes on motorcycles <laughs> and i i don't know i felt like both of the actors were like super likable like their characters were likable um yeah because they were incredibly different the one i don't want to say he's like cocky but he's a little bit arrogant he he's kind of a lone wolf whereas the other one's kind of a lone wolf but he's like doom and gloom he's just kind of like sad you know? Yeah, he like kind of doesn't want to be common rider. Mm-hmm. And and he's I very very reluctant. I think that's what I liked about him as a protagonist is that so often doesn't matter, you know, what country. When you see a superhero movie, sometimes they're almost like too good to be true or too perfect. Um, yeah. This this guy like he seemed like just your regular old dude. He suffered some trauma and honestly the way that he kind of gets put into being common rider is very unfortunate it's like against his will Um, yeah and he has to decide do i want to protect people even if that means some people might get hurt in the process um and like can i continuously deal with having to hurt people and having the responsibility of protecting people because that's super heavy um and ultimately you know, he decides, like, I am going to try and and be this protector, essentially save the world. Um, and so that already, like, it, it could sound corny or cliche, and maybe it is, but I was like, I don't know. I like this guy. I'm rooting for him. 
Again, yeah. he wasn't perfect. Like, he was getting his ass kicked sometimes. Sometimes he didn't even fight. He was like, I'm out of here. See you later. Right, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, now that, I, now that I think about it, it is, like, it's almost glossed over. Like, it's very quick in that, like, opening exposition, like, how he kind of became Common Rider. But, like, I was listening to it, and I'm like, this is kind of fucked up. Like, he was just, like, forced into this position, like, against his will because this professor just kind of determined that he was fit for the job. Which, to me, like, that feels very Anno of, like, the protagonist just being forced into having to protect everyone else and having to come to terms with their position as, like, this person of power. And I think that's what makes the opening so brilliant, too, is when he when he first, you know, kind of, like, awakens or has this power, he doesn't have control over it. And so he's, like, he is just straight up decimating fools. Like, he, yeah. he is just, and he doesn't even know. And so he's, like, terrified after the fact. And so kind of watching him try to, like, learn how to, to control the suit or the power um, and, and use it for good is i don't know it's just easy to get on board with and i think what also makes this such a cool blockbuster is that him and the other like main protagonist the girl um that's with him uh actually shinya sukamoto the doctor's daughter in the movie yeah and like without i know it's called i'm thinking of spoiling things without spoiling <laughs> too much like it's not all like happy for them like these are not protagonist that everything goes their way um, yeah everything definitely works not. out perfectly um if anything i would say that despite all of the excitement um all of the badass action like it's kind of a bittersweet movie like there's moments where you're like dang this actually is quite sad <laughs> yeah you like know. there's there's a lot packed into it but i think it it does a good job of balancing it where there's not like a necessarily like an over like there's not a moment of like oh they're in love now and it's only been two days and that doesn't make sense it's like they have these these strong bonds that are clearly forged through like this insane shit that they're having to go through in like this short period of time like they're just flying through all these things and having to fight enemies and their lives are constantly threatened and it's like yeah they're gonna end up close because of that and then you get that that bittersweetness from all of the all of the things that happen to them because of that well, and, and I actually really enjoyed the relationship between uh, Takeshi Hongo, who's the first common rider, and then uh, Ruriko, who's the girl that we were talking yeah. about. Like, because she she is distant and kind of cold with him, and it's not even that he's like trying to make moves on her or anything. He's literally just kind of like this like kind of emo young adult that is just like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this power right. with this suit? Um, but she eventually warms to him, and again, this is like you would expect them to, I don't know, become like this super romantic, you know, thing and make a big deal out of it. I don't know, a big kiss, a big this, a big that, and you actually don't get that, and you get something a little bit like softer, in my opinion, like the way yeah. that she reveals the ways in which she reveals that she cares about him i found like actually quite touching i was like oh that's cute yeah me like, too it, it, it's it's not overly melodramatic or anything it's just cute it's i don't know it felt organic and that's why when things don't always go their way it actually made me more sad um and you could actually kind of apply that same relationship evolution um to uh, Common Rider 2, which is Ichimonji, 
um, they the two of them, I mean, they start off fighting because Ichimanji's essentially under like yeah. mind control from the butterfly hawk, Ichiro. <laughs> um, but once he gets, you know, gets out of the mind control, uh, the two of them again, they're kind of like distant from each other. They're like, oh, well, we're the same, but like, do should we work together? Do we do our own thing? Um, and yeah, he's like, I'm gonna, bond. I'm out of here. I'm gonna be solo. Yeah, and to see their their bond kind of blossom throughout the second half of the film, and I don't know, they were both like, you know what, this whole partner thing ain't so bad, and I'm like, yeah, yeah I agree. Like, I'm enjoying this. Um, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, because so, like he's he's a what was he a journalist, and he's like, I just want to go back to being a journalist and like you know reporting on the truth, and I'm just gonna go off on my own. And then they kind of both realize that they ultimately have the same goal and they should be working together with their their similar powers which is which is very nice and it leads to the i think what's like a really wonderful ending oh my gosh um, i love the ending i love everything about it um it's just, it makes me want another one <laughs> yeah i mean the ending lends itself to a sequel absolutely yeah whether we will get one who knows and i have to say it lends itself to a sequel in a way that's not like annoying or shoehorned in like it actually felt like it made sense um yeah it's more just like open-ended of like this hero obviously still exists and could continue but this could also just be the ending of it so it, it leaves it open for if they do want to come back and do more than they absolutely could Hmm. yeah i i all i can say is i mean i'm happy for ano to do whatever he wants with you know tokusatsu films if he wants to reboot i'm sure there's even more franchises to reboot there's probably tens of of hundreds for all i know um i'd be happy with any of them but i have to say i i, I want a shin common rider too and before anyone comes at me i still need to see shin ultraman i'll say it i still <laughs> need to see it um but between this and shin godzilla um i i i it is kind of apples to oranges, but like I enjoy, I would watch Shin Kamen Rider again before I watch Shin Godzilla again. They're both great movies, but like Kamen Rider just does everything that I would want it to do as a blockbuster, as an action movie, as a superhero movie. Um, whereas Shin Godzilla, I think, is like this phenomenal spectacle, and I like the way that it it does its social commentary, but. I mean, you're right there with me, Vaughn. We've seen so many Godzilla movies that, like, <laughs> there's just some that work better for me. Yeah. And and that's kind of, like, the difference for me. It's, like, Shin Kamen Rider totally encapsulated everything the series is all about, to my knowledge, and it was everything I could want. Whereas Shin Godzilla was really, really cool, and I will definitely continue to revisit it, but it's not, like, the first thing I think of when I think of Godzilla now. Oh, that makes sense. I can understand that. So that's actually kind of the the perfect answer to a question that hasn't been asked yet. Mm. But um, I do have a couple of, of listener questions. So Stephen did email in, and he has a whole email, but only one part of it is relevant to this. So I'll just <laughs> read this line. Let's get into um, it. So he says, what should I watch before watching Shin Kamen Rider? What do I need to know about it? And what do you think has been the definitional feature of the Shin series? And could you rank them? So you kind of have have your answer there i will say um before i give you my answer to that part um we kind of have said throughout what should you watch before you watch shin common rider i don't know if at this point like 
I kind of had an answer to this, but now I've watched some more and I'm kind of like, I don't know if there's a wrong answer to this. I think you should just kind of watch as much as you want and can. And I think everything is kind of going to be a positive influence on your Shin Kamen Rider experience. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I think at least to start off, I think us two, we kind of had this like, oh, this looks interesting. Let's go for it. Oh, this is short and we have time. Let's go for it. And each time that's landed and so as long as you can kind of familiar yourself familiarize yourself a little bit with the lore so like okay what are these augments okay he rides motorcycle like literally yeah. simple <laughs> stuff but like get into that um don't be worried about starting from the very beginning or right. whatever um and at that point i do i will say and neither of us have gotten to this point but i think once we watch enough Common Rider, it might be cool to like start with the the original television series and then yeah. kind of see how it evolved. But in general, you're dealing with the same themes quite often. Um, I don't think you need to think too hard about where to start uh, before getting into Shin Common Rider. Yeah, I think as long as you watch a couple of different things, it's pretty easy to get an idea of like, oh, like pretty much. The origin story is reinvented constantly. The The whole, like, world is reinvented constantly. There are, like, some similarities and different threads that continue through. It's always just a guy on a motorcycle, which is, like, the key thing there. But but really, it's, like, you can kind of watch whatever and, and get an idea of what you're in for. Um, I mean, I think my favorites are, are the Amamiya movies, Kamen Rider Zio and Kamen Rider J. Me too. Um, and then, like I said, I think Kamen Rider versus Shocker is a great, like kind of background because the characters are the same um Mm -hmm. but even then it's still it's still pretty different for how the things actually end up playing out well and before you get to to your ranking of of the shin films i will say that i think um if i had to pick three common rider things to watch out of what i've seen so far i do think like common rider zio um common rider j so the amamiya films and then uh Common Rider versus Shocker because Common Rider versus Shocker like you said same characters but I also think that one really cat like that one shows off or exemplifies the goofy campy like fun sides of Common Rider yeah. whereas Zio and Jay kind of show like this more dark brooding just badass version um, right and again Common Rider Shin Common Rider captures all of those so I think like those three especially zo i think i think zo is like probably the best peak yeah (laughs) it really outside of shin (laughs) um yeah yeah i think those are those are the the three to watch and i know stevens ended up watching a couple before we even recorded this but yeah i think he actually got to both of them (laughs) (laughs) i think so but for any other listeners who are interested in getting into common rider i think those are the those are the three to check out and I think they're all pretty accessible. I think they might all be on YouTube pretty much. Um, so Well, and I will say one more find. thing. I just thought about it. I had watched two other Common Rider things before this episode. One was called Common Rider World, which actually features Common Rider J and Zio, the characters. Oh, and cool. there's a talking grasshopper named Barry. So make of that yeah, what you that's will. Yeah, in... That was in J as well, was the, the talking yeah. grasshopper, which was great. I was like, oh, man, I wish this had been in Shin. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was, like, it was it was a really fun short. Um, I think I, I, I found it on YouTube, so if you're looking for that. And then the other one, very similar name, Common Rider 
run all over the world <laughs> um has <laughs> common rider black rx and it involves him teaming up with four common rider alter egos so it's black rx robo rider and bio rider um oh, i'm very interested already it, like it's just badass like it's pretty much just an action showcase uh i think it was meant to be filmed in 3d obviously i didn't watch it that way um but it's just a bunch of action some action like some pretty cool shot composition or inspired cinematography and like the last 10 minutes is just those like four common riders kicking ass you know walking off into like the dusty sunset type nice (laughs) so i mean there's there's just no shortage of good common rider to check out yeah, I think, like, the great thing about Common Rider is, like, a lot of the stuff is, like, 30 minutes to an hour long, and so it's really easy to just, like, I've got some spare time, I can just fit some Common Rider in, and you get a lot of context, like, there's just always just action-packed, so there's mm-hmm. a lot you can fit into that, those short time periods, it's very easy to, to go out and check out a lot of that stuff. Yep, so what what are we saying for your, you know ranking of these shin films what is the definitive Vaughn? the the definitional feature of the the shin series i think i mean for me and i really really loved common rider and i would love to to see it again and i absolutely will watch it again as soon as i as soon as i can but um i think for me godzilla still still takes still takes that top spot i just think shin godzilla is is so striking and brilliant and nothing really comes close to it um but i do do really love Common Rider, so that's a that's right behind it in my ranking. And then I'm not a huge fan of Shin Ultraman. I think it's a very fun movie, but whereas I really loved all of the the rubber suit chaos of Common Rider, there's a lot more CGI in Ultraman, and it's a little disappointing. Um, there's a lot going on in Ultraman that like doesn't lend itself to quite the same like enjoyable chaos as Common Rider, where it's like kind of trying to do too much Mm. but that could also be like i'm not as familiar with ultraman and maybe i should should check it out again so i'd love to watch ultraman again and see if i get a a little bit more out of it this time but that's also not directed by ano so maybe that's a he just wrote it maybe uh maybe i'm missing the directorial prowess of (laughs) of ano there yeah his flourishes um i think i mean i think that's fair and i think you know, I would never, I would never begrudge someone for putting Godzilla ahead of Common Rider. I do think the Godzilla film is much larger in scope. I think, um, I wouldn't say it's a safer film, but like you have to think, I would have to think when a Godzilla film is being made, like there's almost like a lot of stakes to that. Like it is such a yeah. loved and adored franchise, not just in Japan, but literally everywhere. So it's like if you miss the mark on such a big production with such right. big names involved, because that's another one. The whole entire cast and crew was just absolutely stacked on that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So it is like larger in scope, and it certainly has more to say about people and the human condition and conflict. Um, so in that sense, it's definitely like I I, I think it's totally fair to put that at one. Um, and then, yeah, just for me, it's like, common rider was all of the fun like heartfelt compassionate badass stuff that i could want um and i think if i had to add something about common rider that i think should make it more appealing to people um is that it's just like 
again not like the the protagonist is so easy to kind of get along with and, and like but there's no like there's no restrictions to what the villains can kind of be like there's usually this insect element but yeah. even watching some of the older ones that we've talked about throughout this like there are just some ridiculous looking monsters badass stuff yeah they go all over with it um so yeah it's like i don't know there's a lot more to it than i can really put into words but if you like weird looking monsters getting beat up by a dude on a motorcycle please just please watch (laughs) absolutely so before before i let you go i've got the very important questions from our friend cody so cody writes in hello spoiling things podcast one thing I've always liked in Common Rider and similar franchises is the use of silly or over-the-top catchphrases when a character uses a particular move or is asked a question. Sometimes these are cool, sometimes farcical, but always fun. If you had to make up catchphrases for the Common Riders in Shin Common Rider, what would they be? <laughs> and this oh has gosh. more, but if <laughs> if you have an answer for uh, what would the, the catchphrase be? Oh my gosh. Uh, I feel like... I hate to say I feel like they already kind of have them on lock, but like even something as simple as just that rider kick is like I get so hyped. So I'm trying to think, what would be? Yeah, I always love like the move names. Yeah, that's like my favorite parts are just them like announcing how they're gonna kick your ass. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. My gosh, Vaughn, do you have one? While I try and think, I I don't know if I have a good I one. I don't know if I have a good one either. Cody always comes in with these great questions, and I don't know how to... I never have a great answer for something like a, a good catchphrase. I, mean, I feel like it would be grasshopper-related, but... Yeah, I mean, if anything, this just goes to show that if you think that the catchphrases are really stupid and dumb, like, they're still harder to come up with than you might think. Because, right. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here like, I don't know. like, Because you can't... If you try too hard to be goofy, then it almost like doesn't land. But I don't know. You have to like tread that line, and I, I don't know. I think just yeah, it's like in the ways that you kick ass is good enough. So yeah, there's like an effortless goofiness to it, which is which is hard to a hard balance to strike. I think without dipping into like this just is stupid. <laughs> I think if anything, if I were to try and think of what I'd want to construct a phrase around, I think when you have both the common riders working together some like you would almost need a wwe announcer and they would need to announce like what their tag team finishing move would be you know what i mean like something absolutely i could get on board with that and i might think harder about that so i can give you an answer (laughs) in the future but that's where my head's at right now like i agree i think that's what they need tag team what can they say that's just ridiculous but also badass that's what we're working with well, here's one that I think is easier to answer, so Cody continues. Also, if you were Oggs, which bug slash animal would you want to be? This isn't a fursona question, I think, <laughs> is what Cody adds. I don't think so either. This is very separate. This is specifically what you would be in Common Rider, which is very important. I think that's a great question. I think what we should do to to ensure that it stays interesting is you know not answer like spider scorpion bat wasp all those are taken. oh definitely not so what can yeah we you don't want to take of... something yeah what can see i was gonna of? i was trying to think of like cool bugs and i realized i might not know as much about bugs as i thought um 
but the name the first bug that popped into my head was bull weevil so i'm going with bull weevil og uh mm. just because that's a funny name and also i'd have that theme song from the president of the united states of america so i have two that are kind of that i have in mind um well, you could be both like the mantis uh chameleon og. oh gosh you're right i could be like a hybrid. <laughs> um so first thing that i'm thinking of uh I mean, listen, I really like the color red, really like the color black. The spider og kind of fits that, but all I'm saying is a ladybug og could be kind of cool. I don't know. It sounds corny. I would like to see it. I don't know. Like Maybe if there was another protagonist, another good og, and it was a ladybug, I think that'd be pretty dope. Um, That'd be pretty cool, yeah. I think dragonfly would be cool too. I don't quite Ooh, know that is a good one. what my skills would entail or what they'd be, but I think dragonfly would be cool. That would be and a cool suit. I'll give one more just for like banter. Uh, one that would okay. be hilarious because <laughs> uh, it could it would just be really annoying and that would be the whole point, but like a mosquito og. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that would be great. I, I agree. Mean, mosquitoes are perfectly capable of just like, you know destroying people's livelihoods but they're also really annoying so i feel like if you had an og built around a mosquito i think that that there's potential there that would <laughs> it be would good. probably I be guess... everyone's least favorite because it'd be so You're right. annoying but i think, I think uh, you know potential. what i can also go for like a we already got like wasp og but i could go for like a bumblebee og that would be good yeah just kind of yeah. like round and fluffy well and i think that's yeah i think like bumblebee and ladybug again if common rider needed some more friends <laughs> like on the good side i think that those would fit that you know i i don't know yeah. i think that's the common rider justice league because like imagine um the scorpion og who's like this seductive woman that's just like destroying <laughs> people in the movie imagine that her like enemy was the ladybug og you know and then the wasp had to face the bumblebee i think that there's right. potential here <laughs> Let's get in contact with Ano. We're gonna write Shin Kamen Rider too. <laughs> can you, Ano? Can can us these two white men that aren't super familiar with Kamen Rider please add these characters? We've got this. That's what that's what that's what Ano needs is the influence of two American white guys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like he might be on board with it. I don't know. Um, uh, final part of the question, and finally, and th- I don't even know how we're going to answer this because this is like both of my my guests for the episode crossed in between. But and finally, who would win in a race between a common rider and a fax- fast X racer? I don't know their names, but they seem fast as the name implies. Thank you for reading and have a fabulous day. Um, I'm going to say common rider um, because I enjoyed Shin Common Rider infinitely more than Fast X. Spoilers for later in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say as someone that's seen like maybe one or two fast and furious movies not fast x but i've seen at least two and i saw paul walker and tammy and the t-rex for whatever that's worth um, <laughs> it's worth I, a lot i think i mean i'm just gonna say it right now this this man common rider is on a whole different level like the wind is powering him he has jets coming out of his car uh, yeah he's and, got rockets on that bike that's that's better than nitrous i think and he doesn't even like need the bike to be fast this man can jump like 500 feet in the air and kick someone so like at the end of the day if we're talking who has more speed i think the hero himself or the character himself and the motorcycle i think they're probably both above fast and furious anything in fast and furious yeah i think if you take just like 
Common Rider is so much more humble. Like he doesn't even care about being fast. He just is. Vin Diesel's so arrogant. He thinks he's the fastest. He's he's gonna lose to Shin Common Rider for sure. Yeah, and see, so like I don't even have that context, but like like you're saying, Common Rider. What <laughs> one of the things that makes the ending so beautiful is that it's not even always about being fast. It, like you said, it's it's about enjoying the ride. You know, like it's it's about taking exactly. it all in uh appreciating life you know i don't know it, i if we're choosing protagonists I'm sorry Vin Diesel. <laughs> like i'm gonna go with common rider hey i'm i'm right there with you oh man those All were right. good questions those are great questions thank you steven and cody for for writing in with some common rider questions and thank you for coming on to talk about common rider ben I had a great time thanks for having me i i mean listen there's nothing i love more than nerding out over this type of stuff with you so <laughs> it was a blast all right well stay tuned there's going to be another guest we're with some more movies here in a in a short moment but for now we've got ben signing off so see you in a second yep see ya Welcome back to section two of this podcast of I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things. Now I'm back here, but now I'm with Jack to talk about some different movies. Jack, welcome back to the show. Hello, Vaughn. Nice to be back. It's good to see you again. Yeah, it's great to uh, great to have you back on. Uh, I've got a couple movies to talk about. We've got a, a slight uh, pressed for time. We've got a got some scheduled <laughs> movies to watch later we got some, um, uh, we got some interesting canon got some... pictures to watch in an hour so um but we'll talk about a couple of movies here quick mm. um so first we saw a movie together jack yes we did <laughs> in the united states of yes. america i flew over just to see a couple of movies with Vaughn. one yes, being exactly. fast x the, fast x <laughs> the best way to spend a 10 a.m ever like oh what an absolutely ridiculous movie oh man yeah rolled out of bed rolled over to the the nearest mall with an amc which <laughs> <laughs> just walked out of bed straight into my seat and hooted and hollered for close to two and a half hours at one of the i'd say one of the most entertaining of the fast and furious movies in a while but also just one of the most ridiculous and i feel like those two go hand in hand especially within the fast and furious franchise oh absolutely they've been they've been definitely moving in that direction i think after mm. after seven i think was yeah cause it's hard to say to that like <laughs> top themselves because they keep doing yeah. ridiculous things and it's hard to you know one-up the last one yeah, it's hard to point to like a specific moment where they kind of jump the like shark jump because the shark, it's Fast yeah. and Furious, but I think after 7 is kind of when they really went off the rails and <laughs> then went into space and everything. <laughs> uh, I'd say Jason Momoa is a is a welcome addition to this party, this gang, this universe. I think he is absolutely just hamming it up and having a blast doing it as this, this villain role who will ultimately be vin diesel's best friend in i don't know a movie oh, or sure. two movies time it's such a weird thing i feel like he's easily the best part of the movie but he also mm. doesn't really fit in the movie at all no, like no, he's, not at all. he's he's in a different so movie. different yeah it feels like he's heard someone talk about the fast and furious movies and he kind of went like got <laughs> it i'm not gonna watch how many i'm not watching all of them i'm just gonna be in the 10th one i got it i'm the villain i'm gonna bugs bunny and joker all over the shop um and then i'm sure i'll get a healthy paycheck and i'll probably be in a couple of cameos in the future ones that's fine yeah i guess he's like leaning in where the rest of the the characters in the series i think are still like 
even though the film itself is absurd and ridiculous uh-huh. like they they're they're, so they're seriously. playing it straight and he's like no i'm gonna be a superhero villain in this franchise because let's be honest the rest of them are superheroes at this point Mm. yeah vin diesel presents himself in these movies like it's like neo-realist text like it's really serious (laughs) like humanist drama when it these are about bombs that roll through towards the vatican and dom has to defend the vatican by using a crane oh my god just the most child in a sandbox smashing toys together (laughs) and he just happened to get a new action figure that week that looked like jason momoa (laughs) and found a very quick role for him yeah there's like no no time to waste in this movie it's it, mm. it really goes off the rails immediately and it's crazy because i feel like there's already so many characters but it also is immediately like throwing new characters at you like bringing old ones back yeah you get like oh. dom's mom immediately and you're like what's going on here like this is know, a character like, that's never been introduced but it's it acts like she's been yeah, there the whole time that's the thing i i binged i think seven onwards in like the week leading up to my, my trip to america <laughs> just to see fast x so when dom's mom appeared i'm like have i have i seen her before <laughs> that I was my really? thought too i was I, these all blur into one big action mess in my brain but i very much enjoy watching them just just for the spectacle and the like there were m- several moments that vaughn can attest to in, in this in the cinema screening <laughs> right i was literally almost standing out of my chair like shouting what is going on at the, up we the were, screen it was, we were truly was, hooting and hollering we were not, not like, even exaggerating know, there was maybe seven people in this theater it was and not I like two, two guys behind us hooting and hollering and it was just like this this is what movies should be this is what movies can be. yeah it's just blind dumb spectacle and love it yeah, I was never entirely sure if, like, the rest of the theater was on board with on board, our energy, but, like, like, I was like, I'm having a great us. time. <laughs> it's yeah, terrible, exactly. but I'm having a great time. <laughs> Definitely. And, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, this was meant to be... This was meant to be the final one, but obviously they're just... They're spinning this final bit out into a trilogy, I think, now? Yeah, this it was... part one of three? Yeah, I think originally... Yeah, it seemed... Because, I mean, Before ten Justin seems Lynn like a safe place to stop, but then they, yeah, they changed their mind, and they're like, no, it's going to be two yeah. movies, and so yeah. eleven seems like a weird finale, but you're like, okay, I'll bear it's with fair. you. And, and, even and then apparently... Yeah, the executives like saw the script for these two, and they were like, "This is so good, we need to split it into this three, is three. This movies." Is your, this is your Star Wars, Vin Diesel. You can't contain yourself to two movies. This is this is a trilogy. And now this is like terribly underperforming at the box office. So who knows if we're actually going <laughs> to end up getting three? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they're bringing forward the digital release where me and all of the American citizens will rent it five times so it makes its money back because the, the the nation and the world has fast and furious <laughs> fever. It's interesting. It's like, well, I actually kind of end up circling around back to this because I think it's kind of a an oddly common thread between our, our two movies to talk about mm-hmm. today. But it very much like it just kind game. of like it's it's full speed ahead and then at one point it just kind of ends and you're like okay i guess <laughs> i guess yeah, it's time for it's the, the next thing. movie yeah that's the thing it, it, it's a connecting tissue of you should just call these movies what they are and, and we'll get it we'll get to it with spider-verse as well but you should just put part one in yeah, your title absolutely it must be some marketing thing or like a testing thing where no one wants to see a movie with part one in it or like part the word part in it and it's like yeah but friday the 13th fans love this stuff come on <laughs> everyone loves a good part so i don't yeah. know but it's it's the same with like criticisms people had with dune which is half a book yeah very much half a movie half a story even so yeah 
Yeah, it's 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 very uncharacteristic for the franchise because there's such a a tried and true formula of they introduce a new villain and uh-huh. the the new villain is like swiftly dealt with and then you move on to the next movie. So it was very weird to have the villain exists the whole time, and then the movie gets to the end, and he's just like, and now for the next part of my and master the, plan, and, and it's like, more oh, villainy. okay. <laughs> even more villainy. I just love the, like, semi-retconning of being, like, showing you scenes from Fast Five and being like, you know, remember this movie? Well, behind the scenes of this happening, he had a son, and his son was Jason Momoa. Yeah, so it's... bringing him back for that. It's such a strange thing to bring back Fast Five because, mm. I mean, it's it's like an obvious choice because Fast Five is like the fan it's favorite. Like the fan favorite, yeah. I think um, that's the best one. But it's, the franchise is now so different than it was in Fast Five. Yeah, and like Fast Five space. was <laughs> ridiculous, <been> but <laughs> like it's still like a somewhat grounded and it's more like a heist uh-huh. movie and it's, it's yeah, very yeah. like wheels that, on like, the ground massive, they're driving around massive set piece at the end yeah but it never gets to the point that fast x does right like so then laws and logic no longer exist yeah to then like kind of go back to to go back to that world then like bring mm. in jason momoa who doesn't <laughs> who, who doesn't fit in with anything just, that happened in fast no, he five hap- he has everything at his disposal he's got he's always four steps ahead of everyone's master yeah. plan he's the best person at anything at everything and anything and it's like why wasn't his dad using him in fast five to solve his problems i mean the man knows what he's doing come on yeah which i guess it's like every character they introduce so it's like oh here's <laughs> this like, character and they're the master the, hacker and they can do the anything it's, it's the same with the marvel movies where they're like they introduce like the eternals and all the questions are like so what were the eternals doing for the past right. 20 <laughs> movies if they've been like this omnipresent ever like powerful force that yeah can... <laughs> oh, that's just classic movies eh? the sequel just introduces some elements and you've got to you've got to run with it or else you're gonna have a bad time yeah and it's 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 kind of also like uh, a greatest hits where you can clearly see like they're trying to kind of pull back from every other film but Pretty it also much. it kind of doesn't work because no again like, like because they've kind of jumped the shark it's like weird to go back and it's like now we're gonna do fast five again but now it's mm-hmm. a giant bomb rolling through rome <laughs> it's very much like several criticisms i saw of the movie are that like this is ai this is like an ai oh, very much script yeah. of very much you went into chat gpt pumped it in the first nine ten movies of scripts and just said like give me another one that throws back to five seven and eight in this order and oh, i mean Which, can we spoil yeah. the final the final moments of this movie on this oh, absolutely. podcast with that's, that's gal gadot returning oh, yeah <laughs> from the dead Was she it's dead? just every it's <sighs> like it was ridiculous enough when they brought back han and like the whole timeline of the series is basically completely broken because they wanted to bring back Han after Tokyo Drift. And so they're yeah. like, well, now all of these are prequels. And then he dies. And then they're like, no, he didn't actually die. And it's like, okay, fine. That's whatever, because I like Han. But then it's like, <laughs> now when you now when you try to revive Gal Gadot, it's yeah. like, okay, now we're just everyone. Everyone who's died is, is up for grabs. It's the thing. It's like the Star Wars formula now of no one's ever really gone and somehow Palpatine returned. It's just Gal Gadot is never dead. Well, uh, the thing is, John Cena dies in this one. John Cena's character dies in this one. Well, or so um, we think. He, he will absolutely... Oh, yeah, sure. He's like in flames on the highway and you don't see his corpse. So the the, the question is like how many minutes into Fast X Part <laughs> right. 2 colon family revenge does John Cena actually show up? Or are they going to save him for Part 3 of Fast X? And it's... Uh, we'll see. Which John Cena's character is so weird because in the last movie... He's just movie, babysitter it's like, I mean, now? Right. He's it's like villain it's... to babysitter pipeline. 
there's been such a it's such a common theme of like okay they were the villain and now they're back and that's whatever it's mm-hmm. it's it's you're used to it at this point but it yeah. feels especially egregious with like him being such a, a mean villain in the last it's one and now it's an, like it's evil, his personality is evil, like <laughs> entirely to the family and now he is watching minions on an airplane he's very much playing <laughs> Um, no longer a character, but the public persona of John Cena. Like John yeah. Cena is seen as this like memey, lovable action wrestler guy whose personality is just kind of being famous for being famous, almost. Like, and he, that's his, that's what he's playing now. He's playing this big babysitter role, and just it's it's such a strange turn of character, but yeah, not I, out of uh, not out of Fast Furious wheelhouse, right? I think it's kind of like what makes the whole movie like not really work is because it's like it doesn't feel like any of the characters are in character no. like it just seems like they kind of just wrote whatever and they were like i don't know drop these three characters That's into the, the scene yeah, and... yeah it's like we'll we'll write lines for the film and we'll work out who should say right. what on the day <laughs> and who's doing what on the day it's very interchangeable in that regard <laughs> i remember because, like when we walked out of the theater my favorite thing was was <laughs> All of our like confusion of the the Pete Davidson cameo where oh, Pete, no. <laughs> they walk yes. into like Pete Davidson's internet cafe and he's like, where oh, check out these he, laced muffins and Han eats Han a muffin. Han has like an LSD tr- and then like the, he trips the for like of this like five minutes <laughs> and then he just like minutes. drive a vehicle, <laughs> operate heavy machinery, which is famously what you are meant to do under the influence right. of narcotics. <laughs> but yeah, it's just another strange like cameo from pete davidson the man on everyone's yeah. minds these days who seems to be popping up in anything and everything <laughs> it's like scenes like that i think are what kind of lend to that feeling of like this is like written by ai because it's like there's yeah. threads there's threads that it's get going introduced through, like, and just go nowhere like there's no continuity through, like, twitter trending topics from the past yeah. year and just <laughs> plugging it into the screenplay in some regard <laughs> So not a good movie, but a fun time at, at, very, at the movies. Very, <laughs> very fun time at the movies. I think I said in my review, like, these are just fun and bad, but I will continue to watch them. It took me a long time to get into the Fast and Furious movies, but now I'm here. There's there's nothing really quite like them. There really as isn't, pieces yeah. of, like, action nonsense. Like, you've gone from street racing, DVD stealing, <laughs> uh, like... Uh, street rats and now we are like james bond out james bonding james bond and trying to make just the strangest globe trotting action bombastic nonsense we can and i'm yeah, all and for it like, at this point <laughs> i feel like they kind of in the past few movies they had kind of obfuscated it so you like didn't really know and you could kind of ignore it but like now this like completely mysterious organization is like the centerpiece oh, of, of the film yeah. and you're just like what is the point of this what does this exist for I'm it's sure like a we'll whole thing part three yeah <laughs> well, they'll bring someone back from the it's grave and there'll be an egregious celebrity cameo and i'll be there day one at 10 a.m <laughs> same <laughs> exactly just, i'll fly over to england to see fast X absolutely yeah. <laughs> part two <laughs> well um we saw another movie not, not not together this time, but no. we have both now seen Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which should the biggest be called, release, which should be called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part One, because it is which, very much a Part One, which it was yeah. originally going yeah. to be slated for. Like it was announced as a Part One, and I don't know something to do with the feedback. I don't know if like a marketing executive is nudging them and saying. 
again the word part is putting people off so they just get rid of it and then towards the end i had many many gasps in my cinema screening when it the, the to be continued popped up like it's yeah a it was serial now it's interesting because like you said earlier like maybe it's some sort of marketing testing mm. thing where they figured that people aren't as receptive to having it called part one but yeah pe- people don't want to pay to go see half a story i suppose which like yeah but then you fair but you just leave everyone in the theater like kind of having the rug pulled out from under them like mm. i knew it was a part one so yeah, it didn't exactly. really surprise me but i was seeing i saw it with maul and like at the end of the movie she was just kind of looked at me like wait what like it just doesn't luckily, make sense if you don't know that it's happening yeah luckily obviously these two films have been done side by side at the same time and the, the next release is only like nine months away which isn't too yeah it's bad. in march next year um uh, rather than like waiting five years or right ridiculous <laughs> but yeah it's just like okay just make them one movie and release the six hour cut come on make a real movie these days but yeah obviously that's never gonna work and never ever going to ever be produced so split it split this massive like epic scoping screenplay into two halves and then release both separately which means like my attitude towards this one is a bit diminished in that i Agreed. just love that first film because it is a complete story it is very much a complete arc it is a setup and payoff you have so many different narrative threads that are resolved by the end of things and obviously it does lead it open at the end you know with with right. the, the, the spider verse as everyone returning whatever and uh, extra credit scenes and things but I, I was very satisfied with that film and i didn't i didn't walk away from that with loads and loads of questions i was i was satisfied and yeah. i knew that this would end up being sequelized because it is the most popular thing right. ever and like the most well-regarded and highest rated thing of ever 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 and I, my worries were pretty much confirmed um just going into this movie because you feel the pacing of it immediately it starts at that breakneck speed which we're very much used to um like paired excellently with with the visuals which i think they definitely have upped since the first oh, yeah, film i sure. think this movie looks incredible and some of the stuff they do and the different styles and designs they do but about i don't know like halfway into the film you can feel the amount of time remaining and you know how much story there's going to be right. left and you know that this is just going to hit a wall at some point and you're going to be left kind of cold at the end but other than that I absolutely love this movie. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think that was that was very similar to to my experience was mm. watching it and just being absolutely blown away by the animation. It mm-hmm. is incredibly gorgeous. Like when you have that that first movie, everything is all converging on Miles' world and Miles' yes. universe. So you don't you Which get like very these... singular in its yeah it's like glitchy like technical like RGB coloring effects. I think that's a yeah. very a very cool aesthetic to go with. Um, but as you were saying, this one introduces so many more. Right, when they're actually hopping to different places, and mm. it starts not with Miles, but with Gwen, which is great yes. because it immediately uh, you get this shift. Yeah, you get a perspective shift, and like immediately the animation style is very mm. distinct, and like her world is all like very like like watercolory pastel, mm. and it's really pretty. I, I love I love the stuff in the background and how it is is very much uh, reinforcing the emotions of like scenes yeah. between her and her dad. You get like these blooming uh, color palettes and color changes and lack of color as well. Like there's a, a, a scene where they having a really bloated argument or something, and all the the color from the background is just drained and it's just yeah. white. And I, I I love the dynamic at play there. Yeah, but it's then you've so, got things it's so fluid. Like, 
yeah, the live action stuff, which, <laughs> which yeah. is wild to me. <laughs> there was that one part where um, the spot, which I think is a fantastic villain, and even though like the setup for the villain in general, I, th- I thought was a little bit flimsy. The like his design, yeah, and um, I think it's Jason Jason Schwartzman does yeah. the voice as well, yeah. which is really good. I did not know that going in. Um, but how he interacts with the other characters is fantastic. But when he's opening up his, his spots to other dimensions and he pops his head into, I wouldn't have gu- guessed it from like the media. From Venom, I think. Like, Venom, yes. Yeah. And a guy That's behind him was... was like nudging his girlfriend, like, oh, finally a Venom <laughs> reference. And I was like, there is one happy man. Yeah, in this that's thing. like so the that's big a Venom reference heads. for. The I die guess hearts. nobody like I was like I get this but I so like I don't if, know what it's if, for um, <laughs> if Tom Hardy or someone had walked in maybe but I'm like oh yeah that's the cashier that kind of bookends the right like it seems like movie? such a niche thing like I don't it think I very weird one I don't and think then, like, I even really recognized it from the movie but like I had seen that Venom trailer so many times oh, where there's that scene with the cashier and I was like yeah, I think this is yeah, the yeah. Venom universe <laughs> it's so strange <laughs> Uh, and then they go into the Lego one, which is is very fun. Oh, the Lego's great, yeah. Lord Miller connection there to the um, the Lego movie and the Batman movie. Um, what else do we have? The uh, Andrew Garfield and a bit of Tobey Maguire stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, you see both of those. I loved the inclusion of uh, Donald Glover as Prowler yes, from the, as, the, as the Spider-Man Prowler movies. From d- yeah. another, another dimension there. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, um, there's, there's yeah, so I many little like, things. There is, I mean, there's, there's no, there's no end to the things that they can introduce in that regard, right. and it is very interesting spending time in the different universes as well. Once, once we're actually crossing dimensions and going um, uh, to some of the, some, some of the worlds that they set up, I think it's, it's fantastic. And obviously, this is going to be explored even further in the yeah. next one, and they're going to have to get bigger and more exotic and wild, and the animation styles as well. It's just there's a lot set up for the next one i feel yeah yeah it really is i think the most amazing thing to me is really just like how they manage to blend those different mm-hmm. styles like into one world like in the first movie you definitely get a little bit of that but the mm-hmm. extent of it is kind of like okay spider pig is more like cartoony and, <laughs> yeah, sure. and spider-man noir is in black and white and so like you get a little bit of sense of that but then when this film opens and you get that opening sequence um where the like the Da Vinci era vulture like comes into the world yeah, and it's like it, it, completely it different and sketches them, like, and yeah the, the the vulture stuff is very very interesting like, even from the get go you're like okay so they are very much going to incorporate different ideas of animation within like single composed shots yeah and it's crazy and I think the the spot character is very much a, a very cool like core concept to have in the middle of all that as like yeah a, a black and white anything is possible sort of figure yeah and i love the um, the spot character so like i love that design because you can see like the little sketch lines at like his joints mm, and stuff like that like yeah. i like when they include those little details mm, it's like this very strange gimmicky rorschach and uh, as soon as you're intro- he's introduced as like this bumbling sort of like fool who doesn't really know anything about being a villain trying to steal this right. ATM machine, <laughs> you're immediately like, okay, he is going to be the big bad of this. Somehow this man is going to get oh so powerful yeah. and be the, the last act boss, basically. And I think that once he has that, that change and he absorbs more power or whatever and grows more powerful, I think the animation style it takes like a stark difference moving away from miles's world to like yeah the, the spot has his own visual look now and it's it's so so good like just the simple black and whites but how intense it all is i love it 
yeah it's an interesting like shift in dynamic for like the the villain because i guess you get like mm. a little bit of it with like the vulture and stuff but yeah the first movie having very distinctly having kind of a, a gallery of villains that are all kind mm. of on the same level like kingpins at the top but you have yeah but they're all from the same right universe, so you have doc ock have and all that, these these yeah, different characters styles. but but this movie is like no it's just all on on spot mm. which i think is great in some ways because i mean jason schwartzman does a great job and he is a, a very really interesting funny, villain yeah. but mm. i think it it does end up that that part one feeling does end up feeling a little like empty in that regard because mm-hmm. then you're just you don't really it's, have like it's, a fleshed out right. antagonist really and it's still trying to find uh you know the conflict really yeah it's much more heavy on the the interpersonal stuff and miles's mm. story miles's and story and gwen's story you kind yeah. of miss out a little bit of that just like good old spider-man web sling in action with like mm-hmm. an actual villain to take down and, and it kind of leaves yeah, that wanting and- a little bit <sighs> And I was thinking this towards the end of the movie is Spider-Man to me has always been the same thing of like loser kid in his hometown just doing like very small adventure stuff, which is part of my problems with those MCU movies post um, Homecoming Mm -hmm. where they're going to space and he's doing all sorts of nonsense. He basically becomes Iron Man. And the reason I I was like looking at the first film, like Spider-Verse in general, and he's so, Miles himself is so grounded in that universe. And once things start to break, he is still very much in touch with the roots there and the grounding of his earth and with this one you're introducing so many different perspectives that it feels so much more grand and like once we get to the spider headquarters thing and you've got these billions and yeah. billions of spider people it just still feels so wild to me that like the, the the little kid from queens who would like beat up right. a vulture or an electro in one universe is now having to to deal with like these thousands of spider people chasing him and it's and I, I, I'm trying to work out why it works so well in this regard. Whereas if this was going to happen in the the live action MCU versions, yeah. I would I would absolutely detest this. I would hate this because it's all just down to the animation. Like you can have these exotic and wild and adventurous stories on on paper, but to realize them in live action, you 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 were never going to be able to do. Whereas right. in animation, you have these just unparalleled bounds where you can do anything and everything. And that's why I think these movies work so well is because they are ambitious and adventurous in their storytelling, but it's it's completely reflected by um, the animation and the visual design. Yeah, and I mean, I immediately just with like the the world of Gwen, and then you get that compared to the world of Miles, and you get that mm. separation immediately of like, okay, this is a real like multiverse where there's actual like stark differences between the worlds. But then especially when they go um, to uh, Moonbatten. Um, was like the moment where i was like oh this is like so inventive and creative and just feels so cool and you're excited to travel to different worlds Mm. and like i immediately thought back to um dr strange and like that movie where it's like it's just new york in like three different colors and you're like (laughs) this could be anything you want it to be and it's just the most boring thing imaginable it's yeah i think post uh, everything everywhere all at once the right we have such high standards for what we consider multiverse yeah like how imaginative and creative you can be but i think this really takes the cake on that front and yeah i I can only imagine the second part will will take that even further yeah i think it's it is just that's that's the most difficult thing for me is like i i loved the film so much and like i had so much fun with it but it really does it just the the ending is so not <laughs> mm-hmm. it doesn't have that satisfaction doesn't, that no, like the no, first no. film does and so i left the film and i was like ah oh, this 
I had so much fun watching it and like the the two and a half hours flew by it didn't feel long at all but like sure. I was like it's just I don't you have know that. that it's uh, yeah, yeah. Just I'm just waiting that third now. act getting towards that third act and uh, uh, watching the the massive spider-man chase sequence and I was thinking to myself like oh this is actually like pretty much the climax of the movie but that set piece itself feels like a mid-film little chase scene before right. the massive big bad showdown at the end and i was like you are you are definitely feeling this is a story split in two halves which you know sometimes i like and sometimes i don't like and sometimes i just want a, a coherent story yeah inside three hours or whatever and yeah my problems definitely felt from the from the pacing but we do get more of the the interpersonal stuff and i feel like we grow to understand Miles and Gwen especially more as as characters yeah. within this universe, which you wouldn't have if this was all, you know, the whole across the Spider-Verse story truncated down to right. two and a half hours. So you do have the moments of like interpersonal play, which I really, really like. But yeah, yeah me towards too. the end, I was like, ah, I, I'm just going to be waiting nine months now. Right. And then <laughs> I feel like once I've seen the second part, I can fully reflect on the first part and really work yeah. out what I think of it because you know it's two halves of a whole in that regard yeah i think my main like kind of point of of conflict in watching it was like i really i think that even just within the film like um miles story is handled so well and gwen's story mm. is handled so well and i'm so interested in those two characters but like at the same time it has to diverge from that over and over again while it's trying to do all these other things instead yeah, of all these it, different it, threads it has it's like such i just a massive scope in mind because obviously you introduce yeah. the concept of multiverses and and all the um the different spider-man timelines and like this cause and effect sort of yeah keeping the the canon all and you have to like yeah you can't go against the grain you have to have this formulaic ai driven approach to your own spider-man story which right. i thought was a little <laughs> bit convoluted and a little bit just sort of like yeah sure okay as a point of contention to the the general narrative here uh, and right. for miles to be the only one to ever try and go against the grain in that in that way which i thought was you know a little weak but um, it introduces peter parker back which obviously peter parker big fan of him from the first movie and the new baby dynamic i think is a nice <laughs> pairing um, yeah very, jake very johnson's so great little, yeah he's, he's such a good little voice performer as well yeah all the i mean all the voice acting is is really phenomenal mm. i mean i Pick mentioned up a little jason schwarzman's performance yeah. is great oscar isaac is fantastic yes 2099 uh, Daniel Kaluuya as uh, Hobie, yeah, as Spider, Spider, Punk. Spider Punk. Oh, so was, good! Uh, I was, I was, I, cause I did not, I hadn't, I had avoided the trailer for this movie surprisingly, and didn't know any of the cast information either. So the whole movie, I'm like, who is doing the Spider Punk? Yeah, I couldn't place it either. I was like, oh man. <laughs> Um, Andy Samberg has a really weird role as that Ben Riley Scarlet Spider. Oh, is that Andy Samberg? Okay, yeah, that's Andy. <laughs> I couldn't work that one out either, and I was like, okay, that's 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 fun. And uh, yeah, there's J.K. Simmons thrown in there as well as yeah, Jim I love Jameson. that. That's that's such a funny thing to me. That's like I think that at a certain point in, in history when people go back through like all the spider-man movies and they're all like very separate there's i feel like there's going to be a point of the confusion of like of why is jk simmons, simmons in every single one of these and it's like, like he's he, just he unbeatable the fan, the fan favorite as jay jones he's always got to come you can't, back you can't get anything better he's in all of them god damn it <laughs> <laughs> it's fun um i don't know if you ever played the um the spider-man ps4 no, game but i did notice um, um his roommate playing yeah his roommate Playing, playing it at one playing. point and then there's another point where 
that version of Spider-Man is is in the uh, oh, the Spider-Man building. That makes um, sense. There's so many goddamn yeah, Spider-Man. But it was also like the Spider Dinosaur and <laughs> the Cowboy the one. I was like, more of this, more of this. <laughs> yeah, it's there's yeah, there's so much great stuff. I think like yeah, because even though I wanted more of like the uh, I wanted more of a focus on like that interpersonal stuff and like I mm. want more of a resolution on Miles and Gwen's stories. I'm like also. I really love all the new characters they've introduced. And I'm like, also, yeah. I want more of Spider-Punk and I want more of, yes, of Spider-Man thing, 2099. Like, so it's tough. That's the thing. I think after this this Across the Spider-Verse thing is concluded, and I like to, right. I'd like to think it is going to be concluded, and they open it up to spin-off films just focusing on those individual universes and not have them constantly crossing over. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think these characters are so interesting. These worlds are so vibrant that they could sustain their own like absolutely movie because the stories at play there there's so much to unpack there's so much like context and 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 stuff going on with with these characters that on surface just feel very gimmicky and you know strange like like spider punk um and things like that but when when you actually think about it there is there's so much you could do with a story with these characters and like yeah you could do so much interesting stuff with the animation and I feel like it's gonna it's gonna spin out into many many movies that I will continue to see. <laughs> yeah, you get like these these really interesting kind of glimpses when they do like they're kind of like oh introducing mm-hmm. a new character and so we'll yeah, give you the the okay, rapid fire backstory yeah. right and so like I love that you get that little glimpse of like Spider Man twenty ninety nine you're like oh this is a really like he actually has a really interesting backstory yeah, it's, it's like that's something I would want to there. see more of and which is a shame because he is he is pretty much fronted as the antagonist the villain pretty yeah. much other than uh, the spot and I feel like he just needs that little bit more fleshing out just to yeah. really really understand his perspective and why I mean like it does feel like bit of an over exaggeration from his like anger front in terms of miles morales and things but i just feel like there's a there's a massive story within that character which yeah would be just fascinating and that whole world like because it's 2099 this future like retro futurist uh, idea right. of this this like america in 2099 i think it's very cool also yeah, just give me really a, cool. a spider-man dinosaur movie because i don't understand what that would be <laughs> Uh, you want the, maybe the Peter they'll... Parked Car movie too? Peter, pa- that was such a good gag that did not get a massive response in my theater. And I was oh, like, really? There was, a, like... there was a good response in oh. oh, I'll tell you why. Because I went, uh, I went Friday, a day off. I went at ten thirty in the morning, and I was like, ah, "It's gonna okay. be empty. I'm gonna have it to myself." It was busy but okay. with children because it's yeah. half term here and i was like okay so now i just look weird as this this old man <laughs> going to this like children's only screening of the spider-man movie so there were many moments where i'm like laughing and guffawing out loud and loads of kids are just watching it for spider-man i'm like cool yeah we'll get it that was joke in like 12 years enjoy it's it's funny seeing movies like that with with that big audience because mm. you do have like it is a children's movie, so you get all the kids there, but like, there's also a lot of jokes that are it's obviously like, flying over their heads, yeah, and so yeah, you get like, like half the audience erupting in laughter, and then the kids are kind of like, I don't, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but oh, very, a very fun movie to see on the big screen. And then I, at one point, I did think this is a very quiet screening, and then later found out that Lord and Miller are, are posting things on Twitter, like the, the film has kind of been sent out. Um, to be turned up further than usual just because i don't know why the the prints a little quiet i don't know if the yeah i've mix I've... is quiet they were designed to be on seven in dolby atmos or whatever it is and mine was really quiet interesting yeah i was gonna ask because i i had seen some like that where people mm. were having complaints about the the audio quality and there have been kind of various complaints i know 
some of the complaints were that like just the mix wasn't great and like some of the dialogue was hard to hear which i didn't really have a problem with except in the the opening scene where you've got gwen playing the drums like i couldn't hear what she was saying at all and i was like what is going on just and be like okay the whole movie is going to be a this like this quiet and be this kind of like tight in the mix it's really like lacking a a sense of space yeah and and depth thanks but thankfully after that opening scene i didn't really have Mm. any problems like understanding the dialogue which i was thankful for because i was worried immediately i was like oh great if i have to sit here for two and a half hours and not be able to know what anyone's saying the closed captions on uh um it's it's good too because the the soundtrack is 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 fantastic really good yeah created curated by metro boomin and there's some there's some all-timers on there and it just fits the aesthetic and the vibe of Miles's Miles's journey here, and like, oh, love it. Yeah, soundtrack's great, and combined with that, that really great Daniel Pemberton score is is mm. excellent as well. With those, all those great sounds. I don't even know like how to describe those noises uh, yeah, that are in there, yeah. but there's they fit so well. I saw, saw people talking about the the use of music in like the last five ten minutes. You know that build up towards the the big reveal of you know he's not yeah. he's not in Kansas anymore. He's not on his own earth. He's having to face the other Miles Morales who has become the Prowler. His father's dead and his uncle's still alive, helping him. I really did yeah, like that uh, reveal, but I just too. wish that I wish they hadn't signposted it with um, the the spider web machine thing focusing on the the 42 when he's sent to the oh, other yeah. dimension it's just like it's I'm, I'm i mean no one not everyone is going to catch that but it was just a quick thing of being like oh if you remember from earlier the spider was 42 yeah. so now he's not going home and it t- took a little bit a little bit of air out of the tires and that but i think that that reveal worked really really well yeah it's it's another thing where it's like i thought that reveal worked really well and i thought it was great and i was like so excited but i think in my head like i hadn't registered how much time had passed so then like yeah, the movie yeah. ends and i was like no wait <laughs> like i need <laughs> the resolution the thing, like, oh, i was just i was just trying to like crunching the numbers in my head like okay we've done the big spider-man hq bust out we can't have much longer left yeah there's a lot going on here yeah, um, but I like again. the I like the original gang being back for uh yeah like all very right, cool we'll like Spider Return of Spider back. Pig <laughs> <laughs> yeah Spider Pig the fan favorite uh, yeah it's just gonna be so many Spider people in the next one it's going to be it's going to be wild it's only nine months away so yeah I'm I'm very glad that there is a a date to look forward to because that's not too mm. bad as far as like it's like uh, I can't if the first the movie had ended that way and then you waited several years it's, <laughs> like, it's very similar with. Um, I think the Matrix two and three were about six months apart, and it has oh, yeah, a very shot back like, to back. The uh, Reloaded has such a a oh my god twist ending moment that like really builds up to the the third film. So spacing them out just like six to nine months apart, I think that's the smart move to do. Yeah, yeah, because I definitely had that feeling when it ended of like of the same feeling I had leaving Dune of like, well, that's half a yeah, movie. It's great, and, uh... it's great. Can't wait to see the rest of it when it's done. <laughs> but at least like at least now I know that there's something else in leaving Dune. I was like they might not make yeah, another uh, it's one not, it's not even confirmed that there's right. gonna be a second one it has to be it has to be like good yeah that Whereas was that was a weird after, thing i was like if they don't green light a second one this is just gonna be half a movie the, forever the saddest <laughs> thing ever yeah but no we've got a new one and that's is that this year that's late this year isn't i it? Like think November? so i'm gonna which is I'm it, gonna which, check that i think it is this year yeah dune dune part 2023 november sounds right yeah i mean oh yeah, because they have been doing dropping some teasers. Yeah, November third, twenty twenty three. Yes, so that'll be this um, year. Yeah, 
Wow, big year for blockbusters. Big year, big year for big movies. So lots of lots big year to talk for big about. Movies. Mm. Well, if you don't have anything else on Spider Verse, we've got um, some some listener mail to go through. Oh yeah, let's got... do some mail. No, right. I'm 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 happy on Spider Verse, and I will have more thoughts in about nine months. I think. Yes, to conclude <laughs> our thoughts. <laughs> um, so of course, since Stephen's not on, he had to write in an email instead. Ah, this guy. Um, so from Stephen, hello, longtime listener, second, <laughs> maybe third time emailer, I have some questions. <laughs> First of all, should I, a person who has seen the first two Fast and Furious films at a friend's birthday party when I was 11 and then watched the third last year in the early hours of the morning in a state of waning but extant inebriation, (laughs) just watch Fast X? Part of me is like, yeah, Stephen, because I I don't know. I don't know what you'll get out of Fast X without having seen the other ones, but also what will you get out of Fast X? It's such a primal response, I think, for me. Yeah. But maybe you could just go into X and come out the same if you had seen all, like, 25 of them. Right. I think ultimately the result would would probably be the same. It is chaos (laughs) and it's kind of nonsense, even if you've seen all of them. I mean, they're bringing back characters from the dead. Like, who cares? understand more if he's seen less he'd walk in right. and be like oh i get it i get the dynamics of play here. so so yeah at the same time it's like you do get more of that context because it is kind of a greatest hit so you get to kind of be like oh yeah. and they're doing the fast five thing right. and now this is really this and, matter it but really yeah i think you could <laughs> i would I'd certainly like be curious it. to know your, a, your thoughts it'd be a very interesting review um someone uh someone in the server the letterbox server that we're in watched Endgame after never watching any other Marvel oh, that's properties right. before and gave like an extensive review it was very interesting so do it Stephen. i dare you yeah do it Stephen. so this of course continues there's many questions in the middle of, of this of course um this is kind of a random question Stephen. secondly is gear up for gran turismo appropriate i suggest it be renamed gear down so as to carefully take that corner for gran turismo uh, not as catchy. Uh, not as catchy. Not as cool. <laughs> um, sure, uh, it's it's more appropriate, more sensible. But that's not what those movies are about. We want to be fast and or furious in the Gran Turismo world. Oh, was, so when I was we were in the theater yesterday to see Spider Verse, and during the trailers there was the the Gran Turismo, the a new Gran Turismo trailer oh, that right, I hadn't yeah, seen yeah. and on the IMAX screen and I cheered for it and nobody else did so <laughs> no, no <gear laughs> heads in the house me at the end like woohoo <laughs> I don't think anyone else was uh, gearing I will, up I it's, will I will believe <laughs> that movie is real the day I see it I have no I have no reason to believe it's a real movie it, it continues to look not good I'll say that <laughs> it's, much it's a shame yeah they should do what Miyazaki's doing and just not reveal <laughs> anything <laughs> that probably would be the better approach yeah <laughs> just the um, Turismo heads coming out in swarms to see Blomkamp's vision uh continues isn't air really rather good is air this year's dog probably not <laughs> i haven't seen dog there's, air is pretty good nothing <laughs> in the rule book that says air can't be the new dog yeah I, I don't know if anyone saw dog so i'll just say yes air is this year's dog uh, i yeah Stephen has talked to me at length about dog and it sounds interesting but i haven't seen it and i don't know if i'll see air <laughs> Um, and then I should probably ask something about Spider-Verse. Are we at mm. or near multiverse fatigue? Is the success of Mario going to lead 
to a flurry of Nintendo animated movies that culminate in a multiverse multiverse movie <laughs> multiverse <laughs> movie that is the Super Smash Bros. film. Yes, a hundred percent to that part. That is a hundred percent going to happen. Like, yeah, that, that will surprise no one. The day that I don't know what the next one would be, a Donkey Kong movie or yeah, a, I guess they already introduced Donkey Kong, so maybe the the Donkey like, Kong movie they'll next. do a they'll deal deal with like the Sonic guys and all that nonsense to get like the the the. Sp- the the super smash brothers universe will be like the yeah. most profitable thing on earth um and what uh, but I don't multiver- know about- multiverse fatigue i don't know because yeah, again, I don't know. With, with movies like this it feels like they are pushing it even further maybe after the spider-verse films are concluded then i'll have fatigue because it's kind of like where can you how can you top that in that like spectacle regard unless you go small think- and do more intricate stories it's i think it's there's tough. certainly there's certainly like multiverse oversaturation. Like now, it's just everything feels the need to be a multiverse. Like that's what they're doing with. It feels the, like a cheap win. The Flash like, movie, right? When they're just oh like, now God. we can throw Michael Keaton's Batman in here, and yeah, I'm I like, I don't care about that. about that. I saw some stuff about that movie, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to see that on the big I, screen. I, Thank you. Absolutely much. not giving that movie money. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, it is. It does seem like that's just the default now for any friend franchise that has enough but movies you, in it and it's yeah. just like we can throw a bunch of things together now but i don't know if but, people really care that much about like seeing that it's just I a cheap yeah like I, you said I a cheap not. win like a james bond universe where they're doing like right. ai sean connery talking to daniel craig would be like no no one wants yeah this. it's it's very I much the mcu that- thing save it for stories that can actually use it well or you know yeah. write stories for a universe rather than just forcing established ip and characters into it's yeah because like that's a right? new legacy it's just crossover stuff at this point yeah that's it is it is just pretty much that it's like if you're only making a multiverse movie they like cash in on nostalgia mm. then no it's not really here? not really yeah. worth doing it yeah. but if you're using it to be really inventive and brilliant like everything everywhere or or spider verse yeah, yeah. then sure go for it i don't i'm not gonna be tired of that i don't think mm. um should we make a multi multiverse film of multiverse films? No, I don't think I want to see that. <laughs> That's a headache movie. Yeah, let's do it. Um, that is all. Don't let the shivers beast get you, Stephen. Uh, and then uh, let's. I'll actually come back to this because he has Ooh. his recommendation. So we'll, we'll add his recommendation at the end of the podcast. Uh, and then an email from Murph. Thwip into action spoilers. It's Murph. Whoa. Very excited to see the new Spider-Verse, though I must admit, I'm still a bit hesitant, as when I saw the last one in theaters, a sudden bout of food poisoning caused oh, me to rush out of the theater no. and miss the ending battle with Kingpin. So I'm wondering, what? what was a time, if any, that you had to leave the theater for a reason other than not <laughs> liking the movie? Keep your furiousness fast, Murph. <laughs> Nothing, one thing immediately springs to mind, but I've never, I'd say, you know, paid money into a cinema without being incredibly wary of how long the movie is going to be, <laughs> how many fluids I've had that day, and things like that. So usually yeah. I'm very good. I, I rarely take proper bathroom breaks in the movie movie theater. But I remember one time at school, they had the whole school in like the hall, and they were projecting a film for like a two a two hour period. And it was probably the worst film to need the toilet and have potential food poisoning at the time. 
And oh, that yeah. is, of course, the boy in the striped pajamas. So when you're there oh <laughs> watching the boy in striped pajamas <laughs> oh, no. and you're trying to find the suitable moment to be able to ask to go to the toilet in front of pretty <laughs> oh, much God. the rest of the school, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. So safe to say, I think I ruined my insides that day. So, oh, my God. Um, so, <laughs> so I have quite an answer for this. And I, I oh, teased a, I teased oh, a whole story <laughs> on the Discord server. <laughs> so and it's, it's kind of funny that you're here. So the movie that this is related to is Jackie Chan's The Foreigner. Oh my um, god! I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I did. I, I like that movie. That's a okay um, movie with a, is it Pierce Brosnan. So yeah, so that was what like 2017. So I was yeah, in I was like in that. college at the time, and this was the year of Movie Pass. So ah, I had I had Movie Pass, and so I was just going to whatever there was out at the time. I would go and see a movie or two or every week, pretty much, and at the time I was I was living in an apartment with just this this guy roommate that i had just mm-hmm. found like on craigslist it wasn't a great roommate but you know it was it was working we lived together for like a year or something and so i'm going to see the foreigner and drive to the movie theater and <laughs> so i i'm at, like on the way there i think i got like a text from him and when i get to the theater <laughs> i look at the text and he's like Sorry, man. Just so you know, I'm like six months behind on rent. What? And and I'm like, what? And he's like, and I'm gonna just, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna move out and live with my friend. Oh, um, I can't pay God. the bills. And he like he sends this whole text about like oh, how shit. he's he is so behind on rent and he can't pay the bills. And he's just like, so I'm just leaving. He's just like, I'm out. <laughs> and I'm like, there and then, never to be seen again. Dips, right. And so I'm at the theater and I'm like. Well, what <laughs> but, but i was like already there so i was like well now what like my I first do? reaction was like i can't deal with this so i was like i guess i'll just go watch the watch movie the, yeah, watch <laughs> old man jackie chan try and do so some i go terrorism. in <laughs> i go in and i'm like i'm watching the foreigner and i'm kind of watching it but obviously like i'm so distracted like sure. i'm just like my anxiety is building and yeah. i'm like what is gonna do what am, what am i doing here so it was like halfway through the movie and I, like i was just like the anxiety was so bad i was like kind of getting like sick to my stomach and i was yeah, like i can't yeah. stay for this whole movie I, it's, uh, so i had the i left yeah. in the middle of the foreigner so i was like i need, I guess i need to deal with this and it's a good deal with my roommate jackie chan and his yeah. inability to pay rent so so yeah it was absolutely wild so oh thankfully he he moved out i think that was like october and i was i finished uh school in december so it was only a couple of months that i had mm. to like cover both of our rent and then Jesus. i had to work with the the um the the leasing office with the, all the rent that he hadn't paid and oh I, and, I, never, I never end up having to pay it so that was Good. all okay Jeez, um, but like, yeah I'm that was for six months my word. yeah they just didn't say anything i was like this is a nightmare it's <laughs> not good one month my dudes but oh yeah not good um but that's so that's go. my <laughs> that's my story of, of boy in the striped pajamas and then the foreigner <laughs> yeah leaving the theater in, in the middle of the foreigner which i still have not seen so i don't know how that movie ends <laughs> who was that was that um who was the villain in that movie it was like was the, that pierce brosnan oh, was it pierce brosnan or was it um oh my god what's his name maybe it was pierce brosnan it was like the ira wasn't it yeah, it's, it's Pierce Brosnan, yeah. Oh, okay. He plays, uh, yeah, Liam Hennessy. Yeah, there you go. So that's 
It's maybe I'll, maybe I should watch that at some point. It's all, I think it went it. straight to Netflix, so you didn't even need to go to see it. Oh, that makes sense. So. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I had Movie Pass, so I was like, I can go see anything. That's true. I can go see Netflix on the big screen. Let's do it. All right. Well, that is our our listener mail. So let's do some recommendations. What have you watched recently, Jack? That you want to recommend um, to the listeners? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. I'm just I don't have anything. my diary here now. Yeah, this, like, is, mm, this is usually a lot. Steven lot doesn't of, have anything, but a lot of Kamen Rider. So much Kamen Rider, and I'm certain <laughs> the one Shin Kamen Rider comes out, I can finally watch that. Uh, I went through a couple of rewatches the other night. I was in, as I do on a Friday night, I was in a, a big action mood, and I threw on a movie I was first introduced to at Justin DeClue's Summer Mind Melter last year. Oh, okay. Delirious, delirious at like, uh, <laughs> ooh, I don't know, like nine in the morning or something ridiculous, and that is 2001's US Seals 2, The Ultimate Force, directed by Isaac Florentine. Oh, yeah, I want to check that out. So diehard DTV action fans will know Isaac Florentine from the Undisputed sequels and a couple of Scott Adkins vehicles like the the Ninja movies and things like that. U.S. Seals Two is pretty much what it does on the says does (laughs) what it says on the tin is just like an elite squad of seals track to go down onto this island to stop like this terrorist attack. Blah blah blah. And the setup is they can't use weapons on the island, so they hire oh, of loads of martial artists <laughs> okay. with like you know sword skills and just incredible action sequences. Well, that and sounds great. They, they they storm the island, and it is just fantastic, excellent um, like fight choreography. So many whoosh sound effects. It is very low budget, but uh, if you want to see very good action choreography from like a, a low budget 2000s movie you'd be hard pressed to find anything more exotic than us seals 2 the ultimate yeah, is it Force. a sequel or is it just called it two? is a sequel and oh, i okay. haven't seen the first one i watched the first one on the plane over to america to see fast x and okay. you, you do not need to see the first one okay. and it is just not very good at all okay it's not an isaac florentine whatsoever it's a completely different guide completely different cast barely related it's like those uh like hong kong sequels that have nothing to do with the first oh, okay. film whatsoever gotcha. completely different direction um just just by name only so that's my recommendation for this for this episode okay awesome so that's i, I need to check that out so i'm going to so i as similarly my diary is full of, of common writer but <laughs> yeah i recommended several of those earlier in this of podcast course. um so one that I watched recently that I thought was fantastic was Jonathan Mostow's Breakdown, starring Kurt Russell from 1997, yes, I which absolutely is love this movie. Fantastic, yeah. It's mm. not really like not the most original, really, but it is. Oh. It does everything that it's doing so well. Really great thriller. It's kind of like a blend between The Vanishing and Duel, which I was is a thinking, great yeah, combination I, of I, films. I definitely had both of those in my in my, yeah. my like thought bubble of what this movie is and how it presents itself, like as a as a piece of genre cinema. I think it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. It's like a tight ninety hundred minute thriller. Kurt Russell and JT Walsh is so so cool. I don't think I've seen much from that that director. I don't I think, think so he either. Did like one of the Terminator sequels, but that oh, yeah, Terminator such 3. Like a, is such a cool thriller movie. Big fan. Yeah, yeah, really, really great, great. Like, yeah, like you said, nice and like short, high trip. tension, just like moves really fast, mm. really well. Good nothing that you haven't horror. seen before, but it does it as well as it possibly can, which is yeah. nothing to complain about. Absolutely. Um, so I will now read Stephen's written-in recommendation, <clears throat> because, okay. of course, he's got to get in on it. I'll just drop some on the floor, but it's fine. 
P.S. I recommend Jane Campion's An Angel at My Table. The bland name borrowed from the source is not indicative enough of what this is. It is a biopic of a New Zealand author and poet, one that frankly explores mental health, class, and wider social topics. It uses time well and has three distinct parts that allow it to have distinct focuses. It blows apart the myth of the broken artist by showing how these struggles limit art more than make it. It's held aloft by stunning performances and by just being a just by being about the kind of figure cinema often ignores. It is not a life of grandstanding moments and linear growing triumph, but it is a life that can echo outwardly and symbolically. Most people have only seen the piano in that Bronco Henry mm. movie she made about the strong dog. Watch more Campion. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for, for writing in that recommendation, Stephen. Very cool. Um, yeah, I have not seen enough Campion. Neither all. have I. Mm. So thank you for coming on the show, Anytime. Jack. It's been great to have you. Anything you want to plug before we sign well, off? Well, you know me. If you if you haven't heard enough of Stephen yet, you can head over <laughs> to The Stacks, a podcast I do with Stephen. You can also listen to 10 Second Beats on Spotify and Tidal and Amazon Music and wherever music even is these days. That's what I have to plug today. Come, come, come talk to your boy. All right, and then... Always make sure to go to thetwingeeks.com to see the mm -hmm. latest reviews of the latest releases. Uh, just recorded a show with Calvin the other day where we talked about Akira, so that'll be coming Ooh, out in the next couple awesome. of weeks. Keep an eye out for that one. Um, if you like this podcast, make sure to give us a rating and mm. tell a friend to, to check it out. If they, if you've got friends that like movies, they should listen mm. to this podcast. Like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got any Spider-Man fans. Um, but we'll be back in two weeks assuming Steven finally finds his way home but for now <laughs> I'm thinking of ending this podcast